thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, gorgeous listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And Ash and I have just caught up for like half an hour or actually now 35 minutes of our <laughs> recording time, which I love. And um, it's, it's like a good little debrief, um, which is so nice. And ladies, welcome back to obviously another episode of Wellness Women Radio. Um, tonight's episode or today's episode is going to be all about how to get pregnant with PCOS. So this was a question that came through in many different iterations when we put a bit of a call out um, for our 200th episode celebration. Um, So that's what we're going to cover tonight. And I think this episode is going to be targeted at women with active polycystic ovarian syndrome who haven't quite got to the point of wanting to consider, say, assisted reproductive technology yet. Um, Because I know that some of my patients um, may be listening to this who will already be doing all the right things and will already be doing everything on here. So this is a bit of a starting point for those of you with PCOS who are tuning in, who may be concerned about your fertility potential um, and what you can do and start to change now. Yeah. And I think the key from this whole episode 
you know, the takeaway that you're going to have is, yes, it is possible. You know, we wanted to yes. lead the conversation with it doesn't matter what you've heard so far or how despondent or how negative you, you might have had sort of feedback or experiences. But we see this every day. We help women every day. We see pregnancy, you know, on the back of PCOS diagnosis yeah. every single day. So whilst it might seem like a really long journey or a really hard journey um, or even an impossible one right now, we want you to take home some really good information tonight so that you can basically get the ball rolling, you know, and get yourself into a space where your body is ready, you know, and and ready to produce a gorgeous little baby. So I think, you know, um, where do we start? I was going to say one of the funniest things that um, I guess has struck me over the years of talking to women with PCOS, you know, including my own journey, but how many women um, want to have kids, have been told they have PCOS and they've been on the pill for years. And, you know, I'm sort of, oh, so how long have you been off the pill? And they've been off the pill for like a month. And I'm like, wow, okay. And um, so one of my big things that I always sort of say to women is you have to get off hormonal birth control soon. You know, as soon as you decide that you're intending to have a family one day, that's when you, you get off the controls, um, you know, controlled hormones because you cannot possibly get yourself into fertile space until your body can self-regulate so um yes it often surprises me how how overlooked just the hormonal contraceptives are um as a kind of like a a massive roadblock before you even deal with anything else isn't that so funny because obviously you're taking hormonal contraceptives you know the second part of that is contraceptive (laughs) yeah and um you're absolutely right like women don't necessarily factor into their fertility journey the time frame that it takes to get your body back to balance after coming off the pill. Mm. And I think that that's because so many times when you're given that prescription in the first place, you're told to stay on it until you want to become pregnant. Yes. And it's as simple as just stopping that and you'll become pregnant. Um, and anyone who Googles PCOS and fertility, you're going to see all these statistics about it saying things like having PCOS is the number one cause of female infertility and blah, blah, blah. And even if statistically that is somewhat correct, that does not mean that you can't get pregnant if you have PCOS. It's one of the biggest myths in women's health because you absolutely can conceive. And PCOS, in my opinion, is absolutely curable as well. Um, You can absolutely change the hormonal picture and the hormonal drivers for PCOS in the first place. And, you know, as always, we've done podcast episodes on this. So please feel free to go back and have a listen to the ones that we've covered in this topic or on this topic in a lot of detail. Um, But tonight we're going to focus on, I guess, the strategies around and how to have a better understanding of PCOS and conception. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think, really important that we always go back to the basic, you know, I guess awareness and understanding of what PCOS is, because even a lot of practitioners have a misunderstanding of what polycystic ovarian syndrome is. And there's a lot of confusion about how to diagnose it, how to um, identify it. And I think a lot of women are told they have PCOS, um, but really these, you know, conditions that lead to that diagnosis um, can be so variable from woman to woman. So well, whilst one woman might experience, you know, regular absent periods, um, they, you know, there's skinny PCOS now, they call it. There's, you know, women who have yes. weight management issues. There's um, hirsutism and acne concerns in some women. Others don't have that. So how can we have a condition labelled PCOS and have so many presentations and variations of what that looks like from each woman? Um, and I think that's, you know, the key there is that the underlying condition itself doesn't 
doesn't actually originate in the ovaries. You know, a lot of the, the thoughts mm-hmm. are that, oh, this is an ovarian problem. Um, but the reality is it's actually a metabolic condition. So that helps us to, to navigate this understanding that it has a relationship with systemically high androgens um, and insulin resistance as the core drivers for the concern. So for me, that's something that, you know, once you start to take it away from like some dysfunctional ovary um, and put it back into a holistic systemic uh, image of what PCOS is, it really helps to take away this, you know, gnarly image of cystic ovaries, which people think defines PCOS. And we, we know that that's absolutely not the case. And we know that you can have the hormonal picture and symptomatic picture for polycystic ovarian syndrome without having multicystic ovaries mm-hmm. and vice versa as well. You can have multiple follicles on your ovaries without anything else that supports that, yeah. which, and, which is super confusing. And I think that the um, formation of the criteria for PCOS and even the name itself is really misleading um, because depending on what, uh, I guess, diagnostic criti- criteria the individual practitioner follows will depend on what diagnostic um, things that they look for because at the moment there's three different types of diagnostic criteria, whether that's from the Androgen Access Society, the Rotterdam or the National Institute of Health, like all of those differ. And I think this is also why there's this big push um, within, you know, the women's health world to change the name of PCOS to metabolic reproductive syndrome, so MRS, um, which I am all for because, like you said, Ash, it is a metabolic disorder that creates hormonal imbalances, not the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, when we have a look at the drivers of that metabolic syndrome, then it helps us to realize why, one, it's something we can heal from, it's reversible, it's alterable, and it doesn't require pharmacology to do that. Um, so when we can address the reason why, although a lot of women do report you know, improvements using things like metformin, but if we can really sort of restructure the metabolic resistance that's causing the underlying issue, then guess what? There's a healing process in place there that will allow us to increase our likelihood of natural fertility. Um, natural conception and I think that's you know what most women really want is this idea that they're not going to have to do seven rounds of IVF to fall pregnant because they've been told they have PCOS Um, because the reality is you can go through all those pathways um, such as IVF and reproductive support if the underlying causes aren't addressed the body can't support pregnancy and I think that's you know the tragedy of it really is how many women are trying uh, to get pregnant when effectively the body really can't um, and won't and once you do kind of get to that that point of seeking um, assisted reproductive technology you know once you get in that door it doesn't really matter what the reasons were that got you there in the first place they will throw the kitchen sink at you to essentially force your system into doing something that's not capable of at the moment and for a reason. Um, And I know that that sounds, um, and I feel like we're kind of walking this fine line here at the moment, Ash, because um, we're walking, teething on the edge of probably being a little bit offensive to people because I know how devastating this fertility journey is for a lot of women who are desperately Mm -hmm. trying to conceive and who you know, really will do whatever it takes to get there. Um, I absolutely understand. However, the seeing 
the trauma that a woman's body goes through when they have to go through IVF or ICSI and um, going through that massive roller coaster of many failed attempts and not even getting to the point of, um, you know, egg retrieval and transfer and everything because we're just working against a body that was already so out of balance in the first place and we've got to address those underlying drivers. Now, that's not to say that some of the patients with PCOS that I work with don't also go on to say do IVF um, because sometimes, you know, that is the choice that is made um, and sometimes that's a time factor which I absolutely respect as well but at least we're working on those drivers first that created the PCOS in the first place as well as trying to speed up that that process um, along the way which is absolutely understandable and particularly if there's some male factor fertility issues going on as well um, then that can be certainly helpful. And I love that you touched on this idea that we're not pointing fingers of blame here too because mm. um, that really highlights to me the reminder that there's this transgenerational um, genetic component to it as well and a lot of women don't realise that the possibility that they have PCOS is actually related to this genetic link to their mother and their grandmother, which is uh, really sort of hard to get your head around sometimes. But the reality is that your grandmother's diet and chemical exposures can be the reason for your PCOS. And that's um, that's a really, I think that's a really, you know, big one to understand that women with the best intentions could be living the most healthy life possible. Um, mm-hmm. But because of that genetic epigenetic you know trigger point that was passed to them from their their mother or their grandmother then you know they're more likely to have these increased excess androgens circulating that are acting um as what they call the basogens and this is what contributes to the weight gain and the insulin resistance and um when i literally say through no fault of your own you know gorgeous woman it's you know sometimes nothing you have done it's something that you've carried and that's a that's a tricky one to navigate too because then it's like, oh, what, what so my mom's to blame for my PCOS? Um, you know, a lot of the time we inherit crappy hormones from our parents. Yeah, and this is one of those conditions that it does, you know, it is actually a factor in and that's the the – the, probably the challenge of it too is how do you undo that? Um, but, you know, this does affect roughly one in 10 women. Um, the evidence suggests that there's an overdiagnosis in young women, but an underdiagnosis in older women. And uh, so from that perspective, we may not really have accurate statistics. It's a very poorly uh, researched and very poorly sort of studied uh, condition in women's health. And it's constantly being updated, which is why, you know, even you mentioned the name change. That was first proposed back in 2013. I was having a look at some research papers. I'm like, don't tell me we're in 2021 and they still haven't made a name change. And that's, you know, 2013 researchers started to tell, the, you know, the research community that this is a misnomer. PCOS is not reflective of what's actually going on here. So why don't we change the name? But, uh, yeah, look, it's still PCOS, isn't it? So it just shows you how much time it takes to, you know, <laughs> change the name. But obviously to heal the condition too, it takes time. And normally it takes, what, medicine 17 years to kind of catch up. So it'll get there eventually. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, ladies, I, d- I don't know if we need to go through like a symptomatic picture of what PCOS might look like. But, you know, I use essentially a bit of a combination of the three um, diagnostic criterion groups, I guess. And the things that I look for is irregular periods or less than six periods a year, Mm -hmm. continuous and ovulatory cycles. So continuous cycles where ovulation hasn't taken place. Normally there would be clinical signs of androgen excess. So that hirsutism, so whether it's dark or coarse hair on the face, chest, nipples, lower abdomen, those sorts of things, possible acne as well 
they may get male pattern um, baldness or hair thinning. But we really want to see the androgen excess on blood tests or that should be part of that confirmation. And even though insulin resistance isn't an official part of a diagnostic criteria, it is such an important factor of PCOS and is often the driver of that as well. Um, and so if we look at the the driving things that create it in the first place that have to be addressed to help stimulate ovulation, because this is the key. To get pregnant with PCOS, you have to ovulate. It all comes back to this. If you don't ovulate, you can't get pregnant. And that's true whether or not you are going through assisted reproductive technology or anything else, which is why, you know, they'd be using Clomid and everything else to try and really just essentially stimulate ovulation. Um, but that if, if we're not going down that track just yet, this is the absolute key is getting your body to ovulate is how you will conceive. And um, looking at the drivers of the things that are inhibiting that at the moment. And is it a chronic stress adrenal pattern that's driving it up? And there's ways to look for that. Sorry, Ash, what were you going to say? Oh, you know what? That's such an interesting point, that chronic stress um, adrenal pattern, because this is it sort of ties back into a discussion I was reading about this PCOS presentation almost being like an evolutionary trait, which was a protective yes. mechanism. If you think back historically of how we look after a woman um, and her longevity, being pregnant on a biologic level <clears throat> and the, the experience of giving birth is, you know, a life-threatening experience um, in terms of physiologically and it's depleting. So there's actually elements to, to pregnancy and birth that take yeah. from the woman. Um, so it's considered possibility that this is an evolutionary trait to protect a woman and preserve her life, which is just such an interesting one because um, it allows women to survive tough times. So you reduce the ovulation cycles, like you said, babies from 12 down to 6. So with less opportunities to conceive, um, it was actually you know a possibility of it being a positive thing for survival of the female species. So this this is just sort of like obviously that doesn't help any woman who wants to conceive right now, but just helps you understand how this stress, chronic stress adrenal cycle fits in with our basic evolutionary biology and why it's not a broken, crazy body. It's simply an adaptive response to an environmental stress. And I think that's always really important to reflect on. And that also goes into the incredible um, wisdom of the, the body and nature and everything else. Mm. So if the adrenal stress um, or, you know, distress, but obviously the adrenal um, pattern is what we'd be sort of analyzing is part of the driving factors for your PCOS. The things that we would see normally on, say, biochemistry would be elevated cortisol or the flip side of that, it could be very low cortisol so that you've you know, been on that chronic stress um, train for such a long time that essentially you've fallen off the edge. Uh, mm. And then that is a much harder sort of pattern to sort of claw your way back out of, but absolutely possible. Um, sometimes we'll see elevated or really low DHEA. So DHEA being the mother hormone that then converts down into, you know, your cortisol and your testosterone and everything else. Um, and when we normally see low DHEA when there has been that chronic stress pattern as well. So we just can't then get things converting, you know, into what, what they actually need to be. 
Um, you also might be seeing things on blood tests, like if you're looking at female hormonal profiles, you're luteinizing to follicular stimulating hormone ratios. So you've got elevated LH relative to your FSH. And normally a ratio of greater than two to one is really suggestive of that PCOS. And so it's like you're having these luteinizing hormone surges that would be trying to ovulate, which is part of the picture of those immature follicles on the ovaries as well. Um, Now, if we look back at the other things that might be, you know, creating the PCOS in the first place, again, insulin resistance. And if you listen to the podcast that we did on how chronic inflammation drives insulin resistance, then that could be the other thing as well. So whether or not it's just insulin resistance independent of, you know, the adrenal stress and everything else, or if then we're also looking at then chronic inflammatory stuff going on in the body and whether that is from, um, you know, unresolved infections, uh, autoimmune conditions and uh, an inappropriate diet and everything else that chronic inflammation drives the insulin resistance, which then drives the elevated androgens, which is then that hallmark of PCOS inhibition of ovulation and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, The elevated insulin is also what's preventing ovulation from happening in the first place as well, which is why it's so important for women to understand if they have PCOS, what these hormones are actually doing so that you can also understand that you can influence this uh, and that you absolutely have the possibility to change this as well. Definitely. And I think there's also, you know, just a, a reflection understanding that, <clears throat> excuse me, PCOS is also related to um, concerns, you know, research suggests as well that it has an impact on our sleep patterns. Women report having troubles falling asleep, retaining good sleep and, you know, waking, feeling fatigued. Um, you know, that's got a knock-on effect as well on mood and emotions. So then, you know, it ties into why there's increased rates of anxiety and depression with PCOS diagnoses. So, Again, it's um, it sounds so simple. Like we're, we're making it sound really simple. Oh, we can just fix this, but we understand there's a very complex nature to this. Yeah. We do understand that in terms of how it affects your quality of life, it is very complicated, and it's not such as simple as just you know eat better food and exercise more, and it'll all be okay. Because um, if it was that easy, we'd all do it, right? <laughs> Yeah, but making some of these changes is really, really hard and being consistent with it, especially when you don't necessarily have a huge supportive team around you or if, say, your partner and your family is not on board or is eating completely differently to you as well because the reality is you have to change your diet. Yes. absolutely have to. There is no room for fence sitting if you have PCOS and you are trying to conceive. And the PCOS type diet that I put women on is free of refined sugar. It's normally gluten and dairy free as well because of the inflammation that the that is associated with both of those foods. And remember that chronic inflammation is part of the underlying etiology of PCOS in the first place. Um, we want to make sure that women are eating a moderate amount of protein with each meal. They're having plenty of fiber. And I also advise them to really increase their warming foods with things like cinnamon, ginger, um, cumin, chili, all of those sorts of herbs, um, and that that's actually drawn from Chinese medicine because it helps with better blood flow to the abdomen and the reproductive organs, but also a lot of those herbs um, are, or, or those spices are very insulin sensitizing as well. 
So things like cinnamon has been used traditionally for so long for that purpose. Um, so on a PCOS diet, these are the sort of things that have to change. And because of that inflammation as well, you'll often see that they increase, you know, omega-3 fatty acid sources. So yes. you'll see flaxseed and whole fish and just, you know, any even algae oils and things like that to try and uh, improve that cholesterol inflammation sort of component yeah. of it. Um, another factor I think that often is discussed, but it's really important to understand the studies that relate to this discussion is this idea of losing sort of 5 to 10% body fat. Now, obviously, this relates to being overweight, so generally a BMI in excess of 25, but they've shown that there's a fantastic uh, improvement in fertility, sorry, not infertility, improvement in the fertility rates <laughs> and reducing the risks of the uh, prediabetes condition just by losing 5 to 10% of body weight which is really powerful right it's not a yeah. huge ask you know if you're 90 kilos it's a nine kilo you know sort of seven to nine kilo drop which can sound like a lot but when it comes down to changing that diet and lifestyle that that goal that aim could be the only thing that's limiting your fertility experience and if you could do that you might be able to reverse and change it all which is a really cool and exciting notion as well now Obviously, that relates to only those women with that particular subtype of condition of um, PCOS, which relates to obviously excess weight, but uh, that's just one aspect along with all those nutritional, you know, directions you just gave, Andrea, that allows you to understand that it's, it can be as simple as food sometimes. Yep. And a lot of the women that I know are really struggling to ovulate when they do have these issues, that is going to make the biggest impact on their system mm. is starting to improve that insulin resistance. Yeah. Um, some of the herbs and, and nutrients that I are really traditional for improving PCOS and helping to ramp up fertility, but for the purpose of inducing ovulation are things like Chromium, um, inositol is one of my absolute favorite things to use for this. Um, NAC, zinc um, to ensure that testosterone is converting into estrogen properly. Um, and it's also involved in like that proper ovarian follicle development too. Mm. Um, uh, I can't remember if I said berberine, but berberine is, its actions are comparable to that of metformin. Yeah, amazing. Um, it, it's been shown to also outperform metformin when it comes to improving insulin sensitivity. I think that it's a bit safer in the sense that it's not going to deplete the system of B12 and everything else. Um, it has been shown in clinical research to assist with fertility um, and have higher live birth rates with fewer side effects when compared to metformin as well. Um, you do need to use it under like very strong guidance though and we're always super careful with that. Um, and then the other um, factors that are always – um, super important is like good old magnesium, vitamin D, um, N-acetylcysteine, and then specific herbs like um, peony, um, gymnema, licorice, those sorts of things are really beneficial for improving both the metabolic and hormonal um, uh, symptoms that go with PCOS as well. Perfect. And, you know, we talk about then obviously – 
nutritional support there. You've already mentioned it before, but just making sure, you know, the blood tests are actually done, that you actually have a hormone yes. panel done. Um, and I think probably in your case, Andrew, you'll recommend every, what, three to six months just to make sure that there's actually change occurring. Um, yes. Because you can't, uh, you can't direct the ship if you don't know which way you're going. So it's really important to have that foundation of knowledge. So you go, okay, well, is this working? No, that's not working well. Let's try this. And it just gives you a chance to adjust the course, um, before, you know, 12 months go by and someone realizes, oh, well, it's made no improvement. So it is good to have regular contact with a practitioner who can help you, um, identify any adjustments that need to be made to the choices as well um and i I don't know if we mentioned you know thyroid function but just there's lots of factors there that relate to how that affects um our our cyclic balance as well you know i talk about detoxing all the time like um, i sort of have this big thing about why on earth are we just bathing ourselves in these excess you know excess estrogens these excess endocrine disruptors because we cannot possibly get our hormones and our fertility in check if we are constantly being surrounded and bathed by these harmful chemicals, which essentially just mimic estrogen in the body, um, which causes yeah. you know the Im- imbalances and the infertility. And look, as, as scary as it sounds, it's almost impossible to avoid. But we can actually make, you know, really direct and dramatic changes just simply in our homes every single day. So we've definitely talked about this now, you know, our kind of low tox uh, episodes we've talked about. So if you need to, to know more about, you know, our low tox beauty products and cleaning and skincare and gosh, all the other the ways we talk about how we clean up our life, then really do explore that too. Because when you reduce tox- toxic load um, and your body can function better and you're not you know, mimicking this hormonal imbalance, then your chances of putting yourself back on track fertility-wise, you know, are really elevated, which is super, super important. Um, and, you know, I think as well, a lot of people also overlook this, but, you know, gut health is massive when it comes to, to hormone imbalances, and we haven't mentioned that just yet. But, you know, if there's problems with our gut and digestive system, then, you know, that microbiome imbalance is going to affect our overall health. Now, that then has a knock-on effect, relates to... <laughs> every aspect of our body, nervous yeah. system, hormones, everything. Uh, and I think, you know, we really do need to address any underlying gut issues if we've got PCOS or totally. hormone issues. So it's, yeah, it can be a little tricky, which is why we do say to women, just navigate one piece of the puzzle at a time. Um, but this is why we need time as well. You know, this is why if we come off the pill and want to get pregnant the next month, it's pretty much setting ourselves up for failure. Uh, that's why it can be such a demoralizing journey. But if we plan forward and say, well, look, well, probably in a couple of years I'm ready for kids and we take other methods of safe contraception in the meantime, you know, fertility tracking and um, mapping out our own cycles so we can prevent pregnancy just in case we don't want that, uh, at least then we're giving ourselves time to do the healing and to do the work that needs to be done. I mean, as I've shared before, it probably took me seven years of my journey. Not that I wanted a child seven years prior, but I knew when I realized the problem, it was going to take me time to heal. And I took that time and, you know, I didn't even have a partner at the time, but I just knew in the future I'd want one. (laughs) I knew in the future I'd Mm. want children. But the only way to solve that was not to take, you know, the OCP and metformin that was recommended at that time. I had to do the work. So, um, you know, on that positive approach, I think that if you can see it as a journey and it takes time, then it helps us support, you know, patients in the process, but also take a step-by-step approach to it as well. Yeah, Ash, I love that. And um, you you mentioned, you know, fertility tracking. I think that uh, because ovulation is absolutely key to getting pregnant, you know, just in general, but 
especially with PCOS, the things to look for once your body starts changing is I love, you know, making sure you're looking at your waking morning temperatures. Um, so doing your basal body temperature each morning, which can also give us really important information about your thyroid function too. Um, you know, assessing cervical mucus changes or even cervical position throughout the cycle. If you want more details on that, um, we have We've done podcasts on ovulation uh, and how to, you know, understand that. So go back and listen to those and we'll definitely do a refresher soon as well. And ladies, don't forget that there has to be targeted lifestyle changes in there as well because we've got to address the stress factors too. So there's always a nutritional aspect there. There's often, and particularly with PCOS and, and trying to ramp up fertility, I, I do think that supplementation and nutritional medicines it is unavoidable at that time. Um, it can certainly help to speed up your healing as well. And then the things to help with your stress reduction. And there are um, research and papers that show that acupuncture and chiropractic both um, can help support both of those things as well. And there's certainly lots of case reports that do show that get, getting adjusted helps improve symptoms of PCOS and shorten cycles and those sorts of things. And we've definitely seen that in our practice too. And ladies, I would certainly recommend that when it comes to PCOS, if you want to conceive, work with someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, because this can be a tricky, um, you know, clinical conundrum. So you do need to be working with someone who, um, you know, knows all about it, the ins and outs and knows exactly what to look for and how to support your system for change. I love that. And one of the things I really took from my journey as well, you know, working with obviously supportive practitioners was knowing that every step that I took, you know, every choice I've made, every time I chose a, a clean green product versus the ones that I was brought up on, I knew that I was also influencing my future child. And I thought that was something that was really like reinforced. Even though this is hard now, I can break this, you know, transgenerational epigenetic switch that's been passed to me. So I'd love to do that for my child. And it was just a really um, positive, when I say, because uh, a lot of it can, there can be a lot of negativity around PCOS, you know, a lot of feelings of not good enough. Why is my body broken? Uh, but I really took that spin on it saying, well, hang on, this is what, you know, someone termed actually survivor syndrome because of the, the physiology of how your body works in this situation. And I thought, cool, so really this is just like awesome survivor mode my body's in. Great. And now what can I pass on to my child that's going to be really positive for their future too? So I saw it as a great opportunity to to change to change the, the pathway, you know, to change the, the thing that had been handed to me. Um, obviously there's no guarantees, but I felt really good about that part of it and uh, it kept me focused and positive when it wasn't easy. Awesome. All right, ladies. Well, I think that that's enough from us for one night. Um, I want to ask you a big favor. Ladies, I want you to go on to stop what you're doing and go on to your iTunes um, or your podcast app and please rate and review Wellness Women Radio. Um, we would absolutely love that. So thank you. That would be your your um, super special gift to us. So I think that that's enough now. I'm I'm fading, Ash. So uh. (laughs) have an awesome day, ladies. And uh, we hope that you tune in next week. We'll have another great episode. And uh, yeah, if this is your journey, we're here to support you. So if you need any extra help, reach out. We we love sharing information, particularly on the recovery on PCOS. So hopefully uh, this just gives you a positive start today to go out there and do something a little better, a little different that moves you in the direction you want, which is, you know, obviously fertility and pregnancy. So good luck on your journey. So, ladies, you've been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrew Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.